Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are so encouraged to know that God is using the ocean to impact your life through the ministry of the word. Knowing that your life is being transformed is exactly why we exist. As our vision says, we exist to know Jesus and make him known. So sit back, relax, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life through this message. Well, today we start a new series, and I'm really stoked about it. I get, I get excited about every series, in case you haven't figured that out yet, because I, I just believe God speaks. And I love it when God speaks. I said, I love it when God speaks. Okay? Man, we, well, I look back on this year and some of the things that we've, that we've studied and we've looked at, man, I... We started the year off with whisper. Anybody remember that? Yeah. How to hear the voice of God, how to lean in, how to lean in and listen to him whisper. Man, that was golden. Somebody say amen. Yeah. That was golden. I hope you're still leaning. I hope you're still listening for the whisper. I hope you're still in your whispering spot. I hope you're still in your whispering spot listening to the voice of the Lord. Amen. And then we got rattled with money matters. Anybody still reeling from that sermon series? Say Amen. Come on, man, it's still kicking my tail, and, uh, but it's been so good, it's been so fun, and uh, today we're starting a new sermon series titled Different, Different. I am jazzed about this. As I've been preparing for this sermon series, it's three weeks long, uh, I've just been real excited about the idea that God has called all of us to be different in our quest so many times to be like this person or to be like that person or to be like the world or to chase the world, God calls us to be different. Do you know why? There's a tagline we're going to use for the next three weeks, and you'll probably hear me say it 300, 400 times in the next three weeks, but I want it to get deep down into our spirit. I want it to be something that we wrestle with in our own lives, and it's simply this. Different people make a difference. Different people make a difference. Say that with me. Say, different people make a difference. Say it again. Different people make a difference. If you don't believe me, let's just stop and think for just a moment about history. Let's think about some people who've made a difference in the world. Let's, let's, let's start off with the, the easy places, with culture and, and people who have kind of made a difference in some of the culture that we've grown up with in this room. And obviously there are some things that, that bring us all together across the world. Some of it's athletics, some of it's music. There are certain cultures that subcultures that bring us all together. You know, when, when we think about people who've made a difference in the world of sports, nobody probably has made a bigger difference in their personal sport than Michael Jordan made when he came on the scene to play basketball. That guy was a difference maker in every game he played. If they were losing and Michael came off the bench, you knew there was a chance. No matter how many points the Bulls were losing by, if Michael came in the game, there was a chance. I mean, that guy was, and you knew every night could be highlight night because you just never knew what Michael was going to do. That guy was awesome. He changed basketball. He changed basketball. I think, I think of the great Jackie Robinson. 
American baseball player, the first African-American baseball player in the major leagues, totally changed the sport because he was willing to stand up and face those who would persecute him for being black and playing sports. And at every stadium he went to, they jeered him and they, they, they threw stuff at him and they told him he didn't deserve to play, but he stood his ground and he held his own and he faced the trial and the persecution and he forever changed the face of baseball in America. I think of the great Pele. For some of you who call it football around the world, we call it soccer in America. Not going to argue that with you. But undoubtedly, the one man who changed the game forever was the great Pele. Now, some of you are like, yeah, he wasn't that good. He's not as good as Neymar. He ain't as good as Ronaldo. Well, before those guys were even a thought in their mama's brain was the great Pele, who changed the game of football forever. That guy came out of Brazil and did stuff with a football that no one had ever seen before. He was my idol growing up, so I can't leave him out. He was the man, and uh, he changed the sport of football forever. Let's step over into the music world, because I know how much you Tanzanians like your hip-hop world and, and all of your stuff, and we're going to take it back just a little bit. The one man who changed hip-hop in America, or the rap scene in the early 80s, late 80s, Mr. LL Cool J, <laughs> with the dumbest song ever that said, Mama Gonna, that's the dumbest song ever. Who would, who would even sing a song like that? But the guy was a genius, and he changed culture in America because that guy walked around with one pant leg pulled up halfway up his leg, and when he did that, so did half of America because they thought it was cool. But he was different. And because he was different, he changed culture. After him came the great Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> and all of America got high. We laugh, but it's different. And we, I don't agree with him. I don't agree with what he did, and I don't agree with his lifestyle, but different people make a difference. Whether it's good or bad, different people make a difference. They do. You know, and for all of us fair-skinned people, there's the great Eminem. But he still made a difference. These are all people, whether we believe in their lifestyle or agree with them, I don't agree with all of them. I'm going to share a few more names with you that you're going to like, Pat it, Jimmy, that person's bad. It's not about being bad, but they made a difference. You know why? They make a difference because they're different. I'm trying to prove a point. Different people make a difference. And we look at the world of, of humanitarianism. We, I, I don't know anybody in my age that, that, that grew up in the world when I did who's made a bigger influence in the world than Oprah Winfrey. That lady, I don't agree with everything about her, trust me, but she's a difference maker. Ellen DeGeneres, I'm not a huge fan of her lifestyle, but that's one of the most, that's one of the most generous women I've ever met. And she's a loving woman. I don't agree with some of her personal stuff, but you know what? She, she makes a difference in people's lives. I watch their shows sometimes, and I'm just overwhelmed by their generosity that flows from them and their heart to make a difference. Why? Because different people make a difference. Different people make a difference. We can look back through history, and we can see some of the greatest people of all time who've made a difference in our world. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa made a difference. Why? Because she was willing to go where no one else wanted to go and stay. 
She didn't go for a couple of weeks and leave. She went and she stayed. And she lived among the last and the least and the lost. And she loved them like nobody's business. And changed the world for so many people. I think of Mahatma Gandhi, his quest for peace in a time when the world was shaken by war. A peaceful soul who made a difference because he was different. Martin Luther King Jr. In a time when the voices in America were ugly and full of hate, his was a voice of peace and reconciliation. He made a difference because he was different. Oscar Schindler, one of the most famous men in Europe, who at a time when, when everybody wanted to kill the Jews, this young man gave everything he had to save as many as he could. He was different. He was different. Different people make a difference. Different people make a difference. But perhaps no one through the course of history has ever made a bigger difference in the world than Jesus Christ. Amen. The ultimate difference maker. Amen. Oh, you can clap. That's good for you. <laughs> Jesus was different. Unlike any leader the world had ever seen before. A king who came to serve and not be served. A king who led from a throne of love and not a throne, a throne of authority and pride. A king who said the least would be the greatest, the last would be first. The one who preached, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Unlike any leader before, but he made a difference like nobody ever has before or since. And you and I are here today because Jesus made a difference. Amen. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be different. Why? Because different people, different people, Different people. And I believe that we've been called to do that right here where we live. If we're not making a difference in the world we live in, we are missing the mark as Christ followers. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And as we follow Jesus, we become like Jesus. And Jesus was different. And if we're truly following Jesus... We will truly be different. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Now, we understand that 1 Peter is a book that was written by Peter himself, thus the name 1 Peter. Uh, Peter was different, for heaven's sake. Peter was an unusual guy, very much a standout, not necessarily for positive reasons, most of the time for kind of crazy reasons. Peter was always one who would open his mouth first and think second. You know anybody like that? Like, hey, you probably should have thought about it before you opened your mouth. Anybody know that guy? Huh? Anybody know that girl you're hanging out with? They're like, ah, think about it first. 
too late. Anybody know what I'm saying? You know that person? Peter, Peter was the one who would, who would do something before he would ever think about doing it. And a lot of times it got him in trouble. Peter wasn't what we would know as an ordinary guy, an unschooled is what the Bible would call him, an unschooled fisherman, just a common guy. But yet there was something about Peter, and we know this from Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John had been arrested for, for ministering in the town. The religious leaders arrested him and had interviewed him and, and ran him through a series of conversations. And the Bible says that they realized that Peter and John were ordinary men, but yet they were different because they had been with the difference maker had made them and if we will spend time with the difference maker, we will be. And different people make a difference. So as we read this, we know that this letter comes from someone who is experiencing what we long to experience. Peter's in the middle of making a difference as he writes this letter. And he's writing this letter to the persecuted Christians in, in the land. And, and these guys that he's writing to, it's no small joke. They're being incredibly persecuted by this evil king named Nero. Anybody ever heard of King Nero? Now, Nero was a bad dude. And we say bad, he was a bad dude. And Nero killed his mama. Everybody say, ooh. Nero killed his first wife. Ooh. And it's suspected that he killed his second wife. Ooh. Should have learned the first time. He's also the one who was suspected of burning all of Rome when he was king. Burned it to the ground. Ruined families, ruined businesses, ruined homes, ruined the whole city so he could build it up and start his way. He's the one who was accused of starting the fire that burned all of Rome. And when it came time to answer to the authorities... When being questioned, you know who he said was to blame? Christians. Christians were already not liked at that time, so it became an easy scapegoat for him to begin to blame it on the Christians, and it became the platform by which he would persecute them. So he used this whole situation as a license to do whatever he wanted to do to Christians, and he was not nice. Followers of Jesus in those days lived in fear of a man who would kill animals and would skin them and put their bloody skin on believers and put them in a cage full of wild dogs and watch as the wild dogs would eat the Christians alive. He wasn't a nice man. He would take Christians and he would dip them in hot wax tie them to a tree and set the tree on fire and would use those Christians as a human candle to light up the night sky and watch them as they burn. This was the type of persecution that Christians were facing. And sometimes we say, oh, I've had a bad day. But sometimes it pays to understand the background behind the story that we're reading. When you begin to understand what Peter is writing towards, it will begin to make a whole lot more sense for you and I today when we begin to hear the words of Peter. 
So with that in mind, why don't we begin reading with verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6 says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Lord, speak in the next few moments in Jesus' name. Peter is addressing the Christians who are walking through these incredible times of trial. And he begins to speak to them and to teach them through this letter. In verse 1, he addresses them as elected exiles, those who are scattered abroad, those who are in places that are not your home. Some Bibles use the word foreigner. Some Bibles use the word sojourner. Some Bibles use the word aliens. Some Bibles use the word stranger. Whatever the case may be, Peter is addressing them as those who are in a place that is not their home. Can I tell you that we are in a place that is not our home, both physically and spiritually? The Bible says we are in the world, but we are not of the world. That we are travelers in a strange land that's not our home. Peter addresses him and says, to you who are in a place that's not your home, you are different. Anybody know what it's like to be at a place that's not your home? I do every day. Every day I feel a little bit different. Something makes me feel like, hmm. When I walk into places and people start talking to me and I say, Dar es Salaam, Nimbani, they're like, I just tell them I'm albino. They don't believe me. Something about my Texas draw kind of gives it away. But every once in a while, I come across a situation or a circumstance where I'm like, I bet they know I'm not from here. <laughs> I don't know what gives it away. But this is not our home. 
We should not feel comfortable here. Let that, so, let, let that sink in. We, we should not feel comfortable here. If the world makes you feel uncomfortable, that's a good thing. Because the Bible says this is not our home. And Peter addresses the followers of Jesus as exiles, strangers, aliens in a foreign land. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, he begins to talk about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit working in your life while you're here. How many of you know that working of the Holy Spirit, that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is something that makes a difference in our life? How many of you would agree with me this morning that we can look back and say, man, I sure am glad I'm not the same as I used to be. I'm glad I'm not the same person I was before I came to Jesus. I am thankful for sanctification. Somebody say amen. Amen. I am glad that he changed me. But not that he changed me. He is still changing me. I've shared a song with you before. I'll share it with you again just because it's a cute song for you to hear. And just to remember, there are some days I remind myself of this. Well, those days I think that I have arrived and I have achieved what I need to achieve as the pastor of the ocean. I'm reminded of this, that he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Amen? Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, (laughs) Thankful for that sanctification. Thankful that he's patient. Because Alpha, there are days, buddy, I don't live sanctified. Hello. Hello. Anybody with me? You look back and say, whoa, if I could relive today, that'd be a good thing. Ay, ay, ay. But it's that work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that makes us and is making us different. And Peter says, hey, you're in a process. It's it's making you different. You're you're not from here. The Holy Spirit's continuing to make you different. He goes on into verse 3, and he begins to mention the new birth by which we've all been born into in Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus, we've been given new birth into a hope that the world does not have. It's a hope that is in heaven placed in the things of heaven, not of earth. How many times do we place our hope in the things of earth that do not last but fade away only to be hurt and dissatisfied because what we thought was supposed to happen didn't happen and we get upset and mad. But we placed our hope in things that are temporal and when they're over, so is our hope and we find ourselves hopeless once again. Why? Because she wouldn't say yes to a second date. We were so hopeful. She smiled at me when I said goodbye. She even asked for my phone number. I just knew there would be a second date. Sorry, the number you have called is no longer in service. (laughs) Any of you guys ever been on the end of that phone call? Just raise your hand. Come on. Don't lie. You're not a guy. Confusion has set in over the house. Any of you guys ever been there? Just raise your hand with me. Come on, we'll walk through it together. Don't lie. You bunch of liars, because you know. 
You know she deleted your number like two <laughs> seconds after you left. But Peter is telling them, hey, there's this, there's this hope that you have in your new birth in Jesus, a, a, new, a new type of relationship, a new wellingness inside of your soul of a hope that is not in the things of this world, but it's eternal. You are different from the rest of the world. As we consider these things, as we consider the idea of being different, one of the key areas of our lives that we should really be very different in is in the area of our faith. People of a different faith make a difference. Different people have a different faith. And what we have to understand today is Peter is writing to a situation full of trial. Nothing challenges our faith like times of trial. Three things I know to be true about trials. Number one, you're either coming out of a trial. Number two, you're in the middle of one right now. Or number three, you're about to be in one. You're either coming out of, you're in one, or you're about to be in one. Because we live in a trialsome world. Trials abound. So you're either coming out of one, or you're in one, or you're about to be in one. But the cool thing about trials is, is the Bible says that we aren't supposed to run away from them. We're supposed to embrace them. Because trials build our faith. Trials build our faith. And we'll read verses 6 through 8. It says this, it says, in all of this, he speaks, of all of your trials, of all you're going through, despite King Nero, despite the persecution, Know this, in all of these things you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed, the genuineness of our faith will result in the worship of Jesus. But when I read that and I think, well, there's, there's a genuineness of faith, but if there's a genuineness of faith, that means there has to be a lack of genuineness to faith. So you begin to think about that. And I want to share some thoughts with you this morning about faith, that if there's a genuine faith, that means there has to be a disingenuine faith. And I believe that there's three types of faith that we battle with that I would call disingenuous or not real faith. And I want to make us aware of those today because it could just simply be that some of us in this room, if we analyze our life, we look at our life, we, we may be people of disingenuous faith. The first faith is this. It's what we call an inherited faith. It's an inherited faith. It's, it's a faith that says, well, I'm Catholic because my mama was Catholic. Why are you Catholic? Well, my family's Catholic. I've, we've always been Catholics. That's what I am. Or, oh, I'm Lutheran, Pastor Jimmy. Well, tell me about your Lutheran background. Well, my mama was Lutheran. Well, my mama was Lutheran, so I'm Lutheran. I used to say when I was little, I Baptist. My daddy said I was Baptist, but my dad never darkened the door of a Baptist church one time that I knew my dad. 
he was no more Baptist than he was Muslim. He just said he was Baptist because somewhere in his life somebody told him he was Baptist. It's an inherited faith. Not a faith that he chose, not a faith that maybe you've chose, but maybe a faith that was put on you by your mom and your dad because that's what they were. So we say, well, I'm Christian because my parents were Christians. That's not true. Those are just titles, but they're not faith. But many of us, we stake our claim on this faith that belonged to mom and dad. And we call ourselves this or we call ourselves that because our mom and dad were that. But the reality is the faith that you've been given is not a real faith. It's not a faith that you have chosen. There comes a point in everybody's life where we must choose Jesus. Because it's not our mom and dad's faith that get us to heaven. It's not the faith of our parents that opened the doorway for us to Jesus. It's our choosing of Jesus ourselves. Unless a man be born again, cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. doesn't matter if your mom and dad have been born again. If you're not born again, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. If I'm not born again, it doesn't matter if my daddy was a Baptist. It's an inherited faith. And here's, here's the problem with inherited faith. At about age 18, 19, 20, 21, when all the questions come and you're beginning to question life and you're beginning to question truth, you're beginning to question absolutes, that inherited faith doesn't last long. Most people with an inherited faith walk away from the church between age 18 and 24 because it's not their own. It was something mom and dad told you, but it wasn't something that you or I figured out on our own. We didn't buy into it. It was just given to us, so it's easy to walk away from because it didn't cost us anything. Mmm, that's one. It's true, though. The second faith that would be kind of a false faith would be one that we would call a shallow faith. A shallow faith. Now, we read about this in, in Matthew chapter 13 when Jesus talks about the sower and the seed, and he talks about the sower scattering seed in different types of soil. Some of us in this room, we, 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 we may have a shallow faith. The reality is in a room this size, about six months from now, some of you won't even be here. You will have already walked away from God or walked away from the church because you have a shallow faith. What that means is, is you have a faith where nothing can take root. Your faith is as deep as your attendance record. When I'm at church, I'm a Christian, but when I'm not at church, you don't even want to know. It's a shallow faith. It's not a faith that's fertile. It's not a faith where the word of God comes in and settles in and, and takes root and grows and, and flourishes in your life. It doesn't bear fruit. The Bible says you know a tree by its fruit, but how many of you know that, that shallow roots don't grow tall trees? But some of us have a shallow faith, and so the things of God, the things of heaven, and can't, can't build roots in our lives because we're shallow faith. I mean, I get it because I had a shallow faith. At one time, my, my faith was sh so shallow, you, you could drop a penny in it, and half of that penny would be out of the water. I mean, my faith was shallow. 
I mean, when she walked by, that was it. You know, some of us guys, we have to do a double take. You boys know the double take, right? You with me? It's like. She didn't even, it wasn't even a double take involved. It was just a, yeah. And all she had to do was say my name, and that was it. Say my name, say my, and she said my name. It was over. She said, Jimmy, I was like, peace out, church. I'm gone. My faith was shallow, shallow faith. And I'd been at church for six years. But she led me right away really, really fast. Why? Because I had a shallow faith. Nothing was taking root. I was easily drawn away. When we have shallow faith, when the winds come and they blow, we just chase whatever. The Bible hasn't taken root. The things of the, of the Lord haven't taken root. And when the winds of change come, we blow with the winds of change. You know, we like the ocean today because it's fun and people are cool and it's the coolest church in the world. But then all of a sudden, Prophet Shagalabagala comes to town. <laughs> and somebody invites you to come to Prophet Shagalabagala's outreach. And your friend takes you to Prophet Shagalabagala and says, hey, will you pray for my friend? And Prophet Shagalabagala causes chaos in your world. And then I get the phone call or the message. Pastor Jimmy, thank you for being a good pastor. But last weekend, I went to Prophet Shagalabagala and he spoke things over me that I've never heard at the ocean. And so now I'm coming to Prophet Shagalabagala's church. But don't worry, you'll be back in six months because you'll realize that all it was was shagalabagala. <laughs> but it's because you didn't have a deep faith. It's a shallow faith. Six months from now, some of you won't be here because you have a shallow faith. Some wind of change is going to blow your direction. And he's going to smell good, ladies. You're going to catch whiff of that clone, and you're going to go, hmm, now that's a man. And he's going to look at you with this, with, with this eye while he's checking out your friend with this eye. And you're going to give your heart to him. And you're going to walk away from Jesus only to come back in about three months and say, Pastor Jimmy, my world's a mess. He broke my heart. He's cheating on me. I'm like, girl, he was never faithful to you to begin with. <laughs> and neither was your friend. It's a shallow faith. The third faith that we have to be careful of is a faith that I call a conditional faith. Many of us have a conditional faith where we say, Jesus, I'll follow you if. As long as God looks like this, I'm good. As long as God answers this or if God provides that or if God does this, and then I'll follow him. But the moment God doesn't look like what I think he should look like, I'm out. I'm gone. Well, God didn't do this for me. I'm gone. And we have this conditional faith that says as long as it looks, smells, tastes, feels like I think it should, I'm in. 
But the minute I don't agree with it, I'm out. The reality is these are just worldly types of faith that will never stand any trial and will never make a difference. Shallow faith, inherited faith, will not make a difference in your life. Therefore, you cannot make a difference. And if we live our relationship with Jesus with these types of faith, Jesus cannot do in our life what he desires to do. We must be different from the world because different people, different people, Peter's addressing the idea of trials and faith. I do believe this statement to be true. Is that a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. But the reality is if our faith is a genuine faith, if it's not inherited, if it's not shallow, if it's not conditional, but if it's a true faith, if it's a genuine faith, then it will withstand the trials. In fact, there's three things quickly this morning when it comes to trials concerning our faith. Number one, if our faith is genuine, then the trial will simply reveal it. The trials will reveal the fact that our faith is genuine. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. That may be the hardest scripture to live out because nobody celebrates in trial. Nobody says, thank you, Jesus, for letting me lose my job. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me be broke. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my house away. Thank you for giving me the worst boss ever. I love you for it, Jesus. I know I got a demotion. I know I've lost money, but praise God. I had a wreck today and killed a picky, picky driver, but praise God, I love you, Jesus. Trials. No one worships the Lord in trials. That's hard. When bad things happen, it's hard to worship the Lord. But the Bible says these trials come so that our faith can be worked. It's like a muscle. Muscles don't grow unless there's tension. A faith that's never tested is a faith that can never be trusted. But once you begin to walk through trials and challenges with your faith, that comes so that, number one, your genuine faith will be revealed. And, the, and the, the, the word says, hey, hang in there. Don't quit because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let, let that perseverance work in your life because when it's done, you're going to be so mature and complete and lacking nothing. But many of us, we leave in the middle of it. We bail, so we walk away incomplete and immature. You see, there's some people in this room who have been a Christian for 13 years. There are some people in this room who've been a Christian one year 13 times. (laughs) 
You know what I'm talking about, Dave. How many of us have had to restart and restart and restart and restart because we walked away during trial? Some of us stay and we stay engaged and we stay connected and, and we allow those trials and those challenges to build us. Some of us just walk away and say, I ain't doing this. This is the dumbest thing in the world. So some of us, we've been Christians 13 years. Other ones of us, we've been a Christian one year 13 times. But we just keep, go back to the start. You go back to the start, redo it, redo it. Peter says, hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. Trials will reveal our faith. Second thing is if our faith is genuine, trials will strengthen our faith. Okay, it's our trials that, that draw us closer to God. If our faith is genuine, if we truly want to follow Jesus, these trials will come. They'll draw us closer to Jesus rather than to push us away. If we truly believe him, we'll be drawn closer to him in the time of trial. Our faith will grow. It won't diminish. How about you? What does your faith do when trials come? Does it diminish or does it grow? Do you draw closer to Jesus or do you run away? Do you have a worldly faith or do you have a different faith? We've been called and encouraged to have a different faith. Why? Because different people have a different faith and different people make a difference. Have you ever watched somebody walk through something and come out on the other side a champion and you've said, man, I want to be that person? I mean, watch any Rocky movie. You'll, you'll be there. I mean, that guy walks through trials in every movie and comes out on top. And everybody walks out of the movie saying, I'm Rocky Balboa. But now it's part two and we say, I'm Creed. Same story, different names. But you, you, we love those kind of movies. Why? Because we all love a hero. We love the movies with good versus evil and good winning. We're introduced to the hero, then we're introduced to the zero. Then we watch the battle, and we go to the end, and all of a sudden the hero wins, and we all champion it. Why? Because we all love the hero. Why? Because we all want to be one. But do we have the kind of faith that heroes have? Heroes make a difference because they are different. If our faith is genuine, trials will reveal it. They will also strengthen it. The last thing, and we see this from verse 7, that if our faith is genuine, our trials will result in others coming to Christ. Our different faith will make a difference in other people. And the Bible says that they will then come to a place of worship, honor, and glory Jesus. Our faith can bring people to Jesus. Our faith in trials will lead people to a relationship with Jesus. When they see Jesus in our life, they'll want Jesus. But when people look in your life, do they see the Jesus side of you or do they see the worldly side of you? Which side of you shines brightest? Are there two sides or is there one side? We have to ask ourselves that as a church. We have to ask ourselves that, June, as followers of Jesus, is when people look at me, do they see Jesus or do they see Jimmy? Because Jimmy's ugly. Jimmy is ugly. Jimmy's imperfect. Jimmy has issues. Jimmy is 50 and four days years old. 
I got probs. Big probs. So do people see Jimmy or do they see Jesus in Jimmy? Because when they see Jesus, they see something totally different than Jimmy. When people look at us, who do they see? Do they see Jesus? I believe if our faith is genuine and we truly love Jesus and we truly believe in Jesus and we're truly pursuing Jesus, then we will be different and different people make a difference. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And if we will embrace the fact that we are called to be different, then we can embrace our difference and lead people to the difference maker. Are you different? Are you different? When people look at you, do they say, hey, that person's different? There are people in this room I know to be different. Their difference has inspired me. Dr. Brenda, she's different. Yeah. When you see Brenda, you don't see Brenda. You see Jesus. Someone who has dedicated her life to meeting the needs of women in this country. Pressing the envelope in research when people said, no, it can't be done, she doesn't take no for an answer. Dr. Brenda's a difference maker. She makes a difference. He doesn't know this, but the reality is this. Isaac is a difference maker. I think I can count on one hand in five years the number of times he's not been here on a Sunday working and serving. Quiet, doesn't make a lot of noise. Some of you in this room are looking around and say, who is Isaac? But for those of us that know him, we know he's the real deal. And he's making a difference. But what about you? What about you? Are you making a difference? Are you willing to be different so that you can make a difference? This week we've talked about a different kind of faith. Next week we're going to talk about different values. Different people have different values. That's going to step on toes. Somebody say amen. amen. Then the third week, we're going to talk about different people have a different purpose. Mm. Yeah. Today, a different faith. Next week, different values. The week after that, a different purpose. Don't miss the next two weeks because I believe the biggest days for our church to make a difference in this community have yet to come. And I believe if we'll embrace being different, the Lord will use us to make a difference. Amen. Amen.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Jesus, thank you for being different, and thank you for being a difference maker in my life. Thank you for being a difference maker in other people's lives who've made a difference in my life. Lord, would you give us the wisdom to look in the mirror and look at ourselves and see if our faith is genuine? Do we have a genuine faith? Do we have a different kind of faith? Or do we have a worldly faith? One that's inherited or shallow or God's circumstantial, conditional. Help us to look and be honest. And God, if we're here this morning and we're walking through trials, would you give us the strength and the courage to walk through them and not to bail on them? Because we know, God, that you're making a difference in our lives as we walk through this trial. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Jimmy, man, (laughs) I'm right smack dab in the middle of a trial and I just simply could use your prayer. This thing is trying me, it's trying who I am, it's challenging me to the very core of of what I believe. If that's you today and you'd like for me to pray with you, would you simply just raise your hand? I wanna pray for you today. You say, I'm walking through a trial and it's testing me and I don't wanna bail, but I want the Lord to do what he wants to do in my life through this trial. If that's you, raise your hand, raise it up high. Don't be shy. Heavenly Father, you see the hands raised this morning. Lord, I lift each one to you today, and I pray, Lord, speak to them in their trial. God, amongst all the voices that they're hearing, Lord, would yours be the loudest? Father, would you take your arms and would you wrap them around them and embrace them in this time of trial? May they know, Lord, that you are near, as close as the mention of your name. And God, would you give them the strength and the courage to stay on the path through the trial, not to walk away from it, knowing that, God, the testing of their faith will build perseverance, and that perseverance will bring completeness in their life. God, help them to persevere. If they're hurting, heal them in Jesus' name. If they're wounded, God, would you heal their wounds and help them to walk with a boldness through the rest of their trial? God, make a difference in their life so that they can make a difference in others. And God, for all of us today, would you open our eyes to the difference maker? Help us to see you, Lord. Help us to see what you desire to do in our lives, God. You desire for us to be different. In fact, you've called us different. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We are not to be like the world, but set apart from the world. So God, help us to embrace being different from the world so that we can make a difference in the world. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for making a difference even today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you.